never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put the rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd And welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon podcast. As always, I am your host, I am Boris. And this week, I am joined by Phil. Hello, Boris, and everybody else out there. How are, How is everybody doing? I'm doing fantastic. And I, I, I waited a few seconds so that our listeners can actually answer you. Yeah, that's good. You see, we got to be engaging that way. Yeah, sure. Might as well. How's everything? Uh, you know, living the life. Um, watching a lot of news go by yep. in this past week, as far as the geek universe goes. Um, it's been a quiet week on the Muppet front. <laughs> but uh, it's it, been a busy week on the digital frontier front. So. Muppet, is that a euphemism? Maybe. I don't know. Like. I, I I got nothing after Labyrinth too, you know. Yeah. Like, like as far as that goes, it, it's back into dormancy. But you know, as a Dark Crystal fan, I'm used to 30 year gaps between freaking episodes. So. And I'm used to 30 year gaps between other stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, like Bill and Ted. <laughs> what's that? Like Bill and Ted. Oh, Bill and Ted! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that exploded this week. And you know what? The funny thing about that Bill and Ted thing, I'm glad you brought that up, is I had to go back and rewatch like a YouTube on the original Bill and Ted movies because I've just fucking forgot them. Like, yeah. It's been <laughs> it's, 30 years. It's way out of my mind. Like, number one, I barely remember. Number two, I don't think I paid any attention to it yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, especially as far as the story goes and all that. And then seeing the trailer for number three, like, kind of drop on us this week, yeah, it it was just like, what the hell is going on here? And and then I had to look it all up, and yeah, wow, that's um, that's a bit of a trip as yeah. a as a as a fan or as a person, especially paying attention to Keanu Reeves as he's become this absolutely massive star. I, yeah. I've had this argument with some of my friends where they're like, Keanu. Like, they don't even understand the magnitude. And then I'll ask them things like, well, what was the last Keanu movie you watched? And usually the replies are something about The Matrix. And then I'm like, well, there's that whole John Wick series. The guy is just so, I don't know, honest. It, it's it's so nice to see him engaging on social media and and things like that. But he, he really has become this staple of of action movies of of a genre really he's become more than that like you know with the countless of keanu memes that there are right now and have been really for the past few years and i think what really helps him is the fact that 
he's not the best actor. Like let, let you know, let's 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 be honest here. He's been very lucky with uh, being in very popular action movies and just generally good movies. Um, you know, being part of the John Wick series, The Matrix, even Bill and Ted. Um, looking... Hey, let's not forget Speed. Right, well, I, that's that was I was, absolutely huge. I was literally about to say, if we take a look at his like earlier years, thirty years ago, you know, there was Speed, um, there was Point Break, there was so many movies, Walk in the Clouds, Sweet November. We can always forget about those movies, but somehow Keanu Reeves has been able to get the right scripts at the right time to keep himself relevant for thirty plus years. Put it into perspective: the first Bill and Ted came out in nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, exactly. And and then you also factor in the fact that he's got his own motorcycle company. Yep. He's divested himself into his passions and whatnot. Yeah. So I really find him to be a fascinating person the more I read or research about him or just trip across, you know, like you were saying. But I don't think it's luck. I think that that guy's got either an awesome agent or he's just got this really great instinct about what projects are going to work for him. For the because most part, yeah. He he gets it. Like he he just you can't just luck into some of what he's done. The Matrix would be lucking into it, but when you follow it up with John Wick and you you do what you do, uh, and you do what he does consistently with these films, and even being involved in a project like cy- the 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 new Cyberpunk game or whatever, yeah. what what's it called, Bethesda? Cyberpunk. The twenty Cyberpunk twenty seven seven. It it it's a smart thing. It, it's it's engaging to that core. And, you know, he might not be your the best actor, you're right, but he finds these roles where he can really thrive in and that suit his style really well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not your classic Shakespearean thespian. Exactly. No, but he, again, he, whatever he does, he does it right. And I think what a lot of people really like about him is all those stories that we've heard about how humble he is and how, like mm-hmm. you said, you know, very close to very many causes and he just is generally seems like a good person where the human is above the celebrity as opposed to the celebrity being above the human. So I think, yeah. you know, the fact that we can relate to him on that level, um, you know, us, us, us folks, us, us villagers, us peasants, um, you know, we can relate to someone like that and and generally would want to back up all of his projects and whatnot. Yeah, it's a it's a very smart thing and I think it's genuinely him. And you know, even for Bill and Ted Three, I read a number of times on Twitter about certain acts of kindness that he would do in the yep. neighborhoods they were shooting in, things like that, because people figured out that Keanu was recording that movie in their town and they were hanging signs out and stuff and he would stop in and visit people. And yeah. I'm just, you know, it, it's, it, it, it was just really nice to, and refreshing to read about stuff like that. I don't know if it's the Canadian in him or what, but I also find the same similar thing with Ryan Reynolds. I know that yeah. he's probably vilified by a lot of people for some of his work, but he's just seems to be this genuinely funny, caring person. Like when you actually start seeing the stuff that he's doing, on his Twitter feed or his, his Instagram and, and things like that. And the causes that he gets behind. It's uh it's nice to see people like that in the world, especially in media. Yeah. Especially nowadays. Like it's just anything to get a good positive story out is, is, is really for me a good thing um, with just so much negativity and, and just general BS in the media. Yeah. And all the fear of the pandemic and, yeah. and, all of this stuff going on. The world's a 
bit of a 2020 is a bit of a crazy year as far as everything's going and yeah it's it's i'm actually looking forward to to seeing bill and ted 3 just for it's you know hopefully it's sheer stupidity and and just the fact that it's probably going to have a lot of fun with itself it's not going to take itself too seriously it's just like a movie that you can just go and have a drink and watch it. <laughs> yeah, the series never really took itself serious to begin with. And I can see with kind of like, you know, the future that they depicted being this utopian perfect society. And then now that we are, you know, in 2020, um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how they represent the 2020 that ended up being. Because um, clearly from, you know, the way that the trailer looked, it wasn't this, it isn't this utopian society that they were kind of, you know, those chosen ones and whatnot. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I'm hearing stuff about multiverse in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just, just by the trailer, you know, they're them meeting themselves in prison yeah, and, and things like that. It looks like they're going to be jumping into different universes or dimensions or whatnot, different alternative things to try and find what exactly is the song that, cures the yeah. world right well like, it's interesting because like the first two they travel through time um you know and it just makes sense where now and in the second one i guess they travel through planes um you know and then it would make sense that they continue that and it's like time and space and you know we're getting more of a doctor who type vibe more than anything else in my opinion um, yeah screw that that police box we're gonna go with uh with the phone booth man exactly i love it <laughs> I love it. It's it's it's, funny. And it's so weird seeing like that old phone booth, right? That was so prevalent in the eighties, you know, all all this time. And yeah. and I can't think of the last time I actually recognized a public payphone, <laughs> like outside of you airports. Just don't see them. Outside of yeah. airports, I can't think of where they would be. And they're you know they're just mounted on a wall. In most cases, if you do see them, there, there's no such thing as a phone booth anymore. And it's kind of funny because, you know, Superman is such a, a thing for Superman and everything like that, too. Right. Like exactly. you go into into the phone booth and it somehow created this illusion of privacy where he could change his identity. And it, like it's a glass box. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny. amazing. Well, if you haven't realized, this week is going to be a geek for all. We're just going to talk about all things geek. I really just want to get back to the roots of the show and just, you know, once a month at least, we'll be able to just geek out, talk about whatever comes to mind. No real agenda per se. Um, and I just want to have fun and, and geek out with my good buddy, Phil. Tyler, I hope everything is going all right with you. Um, I just want to, you know. Hopefully everything uh, works out and you'll be able to join us back on the show soon. Um, and yeah, just it, it's to me, I'm just really happy uh, to be able to speak geek with my good buddy Phil. What, you know, when I started the show, I always said that what I wanted this show to be was kind of like, you know, your local comic book store. When you went to the comic book store, you would always talk to random people, the shop owner, other customers, and you would talk about, you know, what you're reading and the stories and what you like, what you didn't like. You'd get in arguments, you would laugh, you would, you know, get angry and, and, and just be able to talk to someone about the stories that you're reading. So that's what I kind of always wanted this show to be. Um, and I feel like over the years, we've been able to achieve that. Uh, but, you know, as this show changes, I kind of still wanted to maintain the same old style. And sometimes we'll just talk about random geek stuff. And that's what this week is basically going to be. So we started the show talking about Bill and Ted. But while you were talking about Bill and Ted, you did bring up one interesting fact. 
And that's, you know, Cyberpunk 2077. And that is having A-listers or, you know, celebrities, non-video game people actually starring in video games. We've seen this over the years from time to time. Um, You know, we've seen it with uh, Kojima Productions, um, with Norman Reedus in particular. He was supposed to be the star of Silent Hill, um, but then... And there was the playable trailer that came out back in 2014, 2015, uh, but because of Kojima's issues with Konami, um, or Konami, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, um, you know, he kind of said F you to, to everything and went off and created his own company, and we got Death Stranding out of that, um, but, you know, having celebrities and, and people like that um, in video games is... is relatively new-ish and we're seeing more of this phil how do you feel about this do you think that it's a good move on the celebrities doing that do you think that you know even if they are lending their voices like a lot of uh actors did in uh, mass effect um you know uh with uh what's his name uh martin sheen you know and and and, and mm-hmm. actors like that like what do you feel about that how do you feel i think it's great you know as long as the actor's cool with it. I, I think a lot of actors probably don't even feel that it's a medium that they're really going to explore much. But yeah. I was watching an interesting thing about the guy who plays Trevor on GTA five. And he's, he, he's an actor and he's been in stuff like the walking dead and some different stuff as well since doing Trevor in GTA five. And that, that game is like seven years old. Right. Yeah. And he's he's pretty humble still about the fact that that was his big break. And he's really thankful for being able to portray Trevor and being able to do it. He's never played the game. <laughs> you know, he, he's 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 just done all this mocap and and became Trevor for this recording of this absolutely massive video game. And I think that that's a little bit of a beacon to a lot of the actors, too, especially as these games start using more motion capture and, and, and the medium is growing, especially with VR and all this different stuff, it's got to become really attractive for an actor. It's just getting the, the pay levels, I guess, to attract the type of star that you want to have, or they've got to in earnest love the property, um, like the mass effect guys and whatnot. Um, it's interesting, and I think I misspoke earlier about Cyberpunk. It's it's CD Projekt that's making it, not Bethesda. So it just that game yes. has been in development for a really long freaking time, like a really long freaking time. The fan base has been kited along with this for years, and it's kind of funny to think that it's finally going to land, right? And it's also interesting how all of the all the stuff is coming out because they missed their date. So yeah. now there's an Xbox one <laughs> as a paint job with the controller that you could buy, but the game's still, you know, months from being there. Uh, Grimes released a song 4am or whatever. And that was supposed to be in support of cyberpunk and coincide with, you know, the proximity to the, the game coming out. And, you know, I guess these huge behemoths of, of uh artists and 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 special things you just can't derail them right it's they just come out and yeah it's it's too bad that the game got delayed because i really think that it could have benefited uh in a big way 
by what's going on and everybody being stuck at home, I think that's where Animal Crossing hit it out of the park because it was just perfectly placed at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to kind of see where the schedule goes, but we'll touch on that in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. staying on, on topic in regards to actors and being in video games. um, You know, I think that overall, it is a smart move for them, you know. They, I, I think that a lot of people for the longest time saw video games as kind of, kind of the same as comic books. It's a kids thing, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that popular. It's, it's for kids. It's blah blah blah. You can say what you want, but if we take a look at the numbers, you know, it's one of the biggest forms of entertainment. Period. It, it's, it's budgets you know, rival if not surpass Hollywood. Yep. In a lot of cases. Um. And as well, I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, going through the past little bit that I've been going through and cleaning out some of the games, you know, like Jedi Fallen Order and, and things like that, I'm now playing like uh, Horizon, uh, uh, the, the Horizon game on the PS4, New Horizon or whatever it is. And um, it's interesting because it really hits with me, resonates well, you know, Last of Us Part Two, Last of Us, the original one about how impactful the storylines are like how they absolutely and this is where it exceeds in my personal opinion it exceeds a hollywood experience because right now the the prevailing thought is it's way better to watch mandalorian in eight episodes than trying to watch two hours of of the same type of character development now take that same line of thought as a as a as a consumer and then pour yourself into a game that's let's let's say 40 hours of playing but that's 40 hours of you being in that character's head yeah. or being in multiple characters heads understanding the story from all different elements it's just absolutely earth-shattering the amount of emotion and feeling that a video game that's well done can communicate and portray to the player because I, I, I'm not going to hide it or anything. I think I, The Last of Us Part 1, I cried playing that game because some of the story choices and the characters were so impactful. And yeah. even with Gears of War, you know, with some of the character choices that got done there, it was genuinely upsetting to me. You know, and Mass Effect, these are all games that just absolutely raptured the way that I was thinking about this as a media a medium and this was going back years you know mass effect on the 360 it's it's just crazy and and now people are starting to come around to it and you know we got to get out of it's fine to play these side scrollers and everything i understand the cult following and and the history of it but man there's some great storytelling going on in this medium and for actors to to choose to want to be a part of that and finally see it it's a great career move. And I think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said the whole thing about would you rather watch a two-hour movie and try to, like, you know, build a character and get in their head and blah, blah, blah in two hours watch a, or watch a miniseries or play a video game. Um, you know, the from a consumer's point of view, the time invested is, is so different and how we interact with the medium is also super different. So overall, that, you know, get, like you said, it, puts us in that front seat you know we get we get the driver's seat we're we're along the ride with our character in you know um a video game so you know and that's i think 
one of the ways that Hollywood is starting to change, where we're seeing more um, series in terms of multiple part movies being announced at once, as opposed to, you know, here's this, this standalone movie, and this is all you're going to get of, you know, this entire world, and... Voila, that's mm-hmm. it, you know? Now um, you have creators thinking way ahead and thinking that, okay, I'm going to make this trilogy, and this trilogy is going to tell the full story that I want to tell, um, you know? And I think what's really helped us in, in thinking like that is, you know, HBO and the way that they kind of created their series, um, and it's the budgets that they've been able to put behind it. Even a show like The Sopranos took TV to that next level, you know, it made it more of a mini movie and every episode felt like a mini movie. And then you had multiple of those. So we were able to really get in, in invested in that. So I think budgets really helped. Um, and just the way that storytelling has really evolved. And I've always said that, you know, Twin Peaks back in 1991, when it originally came out, that's really what changed the way that we view TV, uh, because we had this ongoing serial, uh, you know, almost, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, telenovela-like, uh, week to week um, of, of trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer, so... You know, I think that kind of gave way to the HBO shows of like The Sopranos, The Wire, things like that, which then gave way to something like a Game of Thrones, which literally every week felt like a movie. Um, And, you know, now I think that as a consumer, we're adapting to this thing of I would I I want to invest in this world. Um, Marvel has also helped, you know, in the sense that we've had you know, five, six movies before we got the first event, Avengers. So I think that this is kind of what we're seeing more, where there's going to have to be more of a investment from studios, from creators at the start of it so that consumers can actually, you know, play along and, and, and kind of, um, you know, invest in the stories that well, they want to say. And let's not even take away from the fact that sometimes creators in the past have been forced to kind of take away from the story that they originally envisioned to mm-hmm. make it two hours, three hours, however long a movie is going to be. You know, so we've now gotten to a point where we can invest in multiple mediums and multiple um, arcs and multiple viewings of the same characters over and over. All right, yeah, so... Yeah, just some of the stuff that I've been thinking about as far as this medium and whatnot is is the difficulty in creating a protagonist that's relatable for everybody. Like, we all know that there's big challenges in AAA games, right? And the, the just the actual gameplay itself and whatnot. But I think it's becoming more and more important, at least for me as a consumer, that the story be compelling, that the protagonist be relatable. Or even if they aren't, that there's a redeeming quality that gives me an opportunity to relate to them. Those things are really, really vitally important as far as the quality of the story. Otherwise, it's just mindless entertainment. And I'm probably going to abandon the game at some point and just because I'm not engaged with it. So those games that I mentioned, like Last of Us and whatnot, really hit me in a, a personal way. Just about the dynamics of the relationships and the worlds that they were in. Um the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, is as far as what you brought up as well, is something like, you know, out of all these TV shows like Game of Thrones and Sopranos and all this awesome TV that, that really changed the way that television works, you have to look at 
and I, I bring this up all the time, but you have to look at Mandalorian right now in just the way that they did that soundstage, the way that they did the volume and whatnot is an absolute game changer for the industry. If other shows start adopting this type of technology where they can create these realistic uh, uh, screened, live screened uh, sets, it's just going to exponentially drive like, you know, budgets go down, quality's going up. You know, it, it's really going to come back to the story and the acting, things like that. And I got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed in Hollywood and even in the video game industry. How many times can I retread a freaking title? Like, they're already talking about there's G- GTA 5 is going to be on the new systems, a new version. Like, I've bought that game twice already. I don't want to buy it a third time and play it for a freaking third time on a new 4k console yeah so i fully understand okay so two things there number one (laughs) we'll talk video games i fully understand the whole you know not wanting to rebuy a game it pisses me off having to rebuy a game over and over for different consoles um but what i do not hate is something like a remake um, the way that Tony Hawk is being remade, the way that Final Fantasy was being remade, kind of like having a new updated version of a classic game. Um, and those are super different examples, but I don't mind when they not only HD a game, but kind of make it a little different per se. Um, what I don't like is when they literally repackage a game and just shift it across console. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm not into this whole let's make it 4K or let's give it HDR and charge them full pop again. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing if you if you position the title like uh, I'm talking about Last of Us. Hey, Last of Us did a PS3. remake on the PS4. Yeah. And I bought it, but it was positioned at a, a much different price point. Uh, the only issue that I have with the Final Fantasy. Now, that that's a great point right there. Final Fantasy like like took like what fifteen years off Final Fantasy seven between these versions and goodness knows Square Enix took their sweet ass time making this and as even the only thing that bothers me about that business model really is the fact that they've broken this story up now now they've increased content to their credit like I can't and I'm not going to pretend like I didn't buy it but it does kind of cheese me off that. I'm going to have to buy to experience the whole game as I bought it back in on my old freaking computer, my 386 or 486, you know, with four CD-ROMs. The way that I can experience that again is I'm going to have to put out, you know, three to four times for each episode. Yeah. Each episode is like 80 bucks. And it's great. It's a totally different game, but it's the same. I And I can't appreciate reworking an old title like that i really can't but shit man Uh, and i get that these games are expensive to make i'm not trying to piss off content creators or gaming studios by this but holy shit like as a consumer it can get a little bit overwhelming especially a consumer of games like final fantasy which seem to reiterate a lot yeah. You know, we're up to Final Fantasy, what, like 15 plus all these little th- Nintendo 3DS games and all these different versions of that same content. And I, I still have, as a as a North American dude, I still have a lot of trouble getting my head around some of the concepts in these games. Like, 
they are out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You see, you I, know, I, like Death Stranding to me creeps the shit out of me. It's compelling to play, and it, it's one of those games where I don't like the characters, but because I'm playing it, I'm really enjoying seeing them, and I yeah. want to see how they evolve in that environment. But holy shit, man, there's some fucking creepy stuff in that game. <laughs> yeah, because they, they touch on, like, you know, non-Western folklore, folklore that, you know, could make us stay up at night, literally. Um, and I think, for me, that's kind of the beauty of it, that they are different concepts. It's They're completely out there. It's not the norm. Like, you know, just this past week, I finally revisited Death Stranding, and I finally finished it. I haven't really been gaming too much, um, all things considered. Uh, so, you know, I was just... I just said, fuck it, with all the news that was going on, I'm like, you know what, I just need to completely disconnect and reconnect somewhere else, and I went back to video games, so I finally finished Death Stranding, um, and, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed it, and, you know, hey, now I can say I can babysit and deliver for FedEx, you know, at the core of it, that's what the <laughs> game is, like, it's, it's, it's so stupid, and it's a perfect example of a game that, you know, here in North America, it got a lot of criticism like no one doubts that it was a beautiful game and you know the world the open world was was awesome and having norm norman Reedus did a great job and things like that but you know i think that at the core of it you know a lot of people literally you were literally running and delivering packages all game while taking care of this baby from ghosts so you know i i think that here in north america it got a lot more uh you know critical kind of assessment whereas in europe and in japan it just, it was a hit regardless yeah um, it, you know what the people who get kojomi kojomi's games or whatever the the creator the guy from you know konami and whatnot they totally ate it up i gotta say like i saw a lot of reviews that really sold me on it personally yeah. because of their genuine excitement for that for this guy's creations and Myself, I've been a fan of his for a long time, but not even really realized it because this whole idea of of making celebrities out of game developers is kind of new to me. It's I know new, it yeah. exists, yeah. but it, you know, I, my personal story. I'm, I'm going to tell you one. I don't know. You, you might have heard this one before, Boris. I'm not sure, but I used to work at a computer store in a small town, uh, of which I still live in, and. Um, it, the, the store is gone now, but this was back in the nineties. All right. So we were selling Pentiums, uh, and things like that. And we also repaired and did upgrades to computers when people wanted more Ram or a CD ROM drive added. That was our big, you know, bit of business. So one day this guy comes in to my store and has a Pentium 90 Acer. And now, first of all, I'd never seen an Acer computer. Secondly, the highest speed that we had in the store at the time was a Pentium 60. All right. So he puts his computer down and he's, he's asking for a RAM upgrade and we, you know, no problem. And then he starts showing us stuff and he shows us this thing called Unreal Engine. Yeah. All right. And it was blowing my mind. All right. And this was back when Unreal, the first iteration, when it was like Unreal was a game title and it was all medieval and it was all crazy and dragons and all this stuff but it was the game engine you know that that spawned it all off and this guy was his name is mark rain and he's now i think the ceo of epic 
Yeah. But at the time, he was just living in the town next to me and uh, working a, as a you know remote office in Canada. And he used to love because they also made games like Jazz and Jackrabbit and, and, and Epic Pinball. And those were their big titles, right? The, this, this ambition that he had about Unreal was something that he was really excited about, but it, it was still not uh, existing. And him and this guy named Cliff would come into the store all the time and go through our shareware. You know, we used to sell these little individual floppy disks of games for like five bucks. And they used to organize our shareware and make sure that their games were prominent. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting. And that, that guy's Cliffy B, you know, Cliff Blazinski Hmm. type thing. And it's just crazy how weird, you never know who you're going to bump into in life. And, you know, like I, I know I still talk with Mark once in a while, but not obviously often he's, he's moved down and he's a big shot guy. Um, but you know, it, it was interesting seeing some of that stuff and seeing the creator challenges that they had and and knowing that these people are real people. And I, I, it's interesting how in certain internet, internet circles, like I still follow Cliffy B on, on Twitter and just seeing him toil and torment with people about his past life as a developer and, and whatnot is interesting yeah. the celebrity stuff yeah like in japan it's a lot more prominent like you know you you walk into a video game store here in north america you ask them who created nintendo who created uh, legend of zelda they can't answer that you go to japan and there's like you know monuments of these people almost um so it's just interesting that whole you know celebrity but creator celebrity that also thing speaks to like the Japanese culture and that they, they embrace manga, right? They embrace the whole idea of comic books that we vilify here as a society, or we, we treat them as kids books, just the same as like, if I'm watching an anime show and my father sees that I'm watching it and go, what are you doing? Watching cartoons? That's for kids. He can't get his head around the idea that there are actual adult content cartoons. There are, you know, and it's the same thing with manga. It's the same thing with video games. It's just because you deem it as a kid's thing doesn't mean that it is a kid's thing. It's it's engaging and it's asking serious questions about society and about us as people. Yeah, just because it's, it's not real people acting doesn't make it any less uh, relevant in the grand scheme of things. And I think that here in North America, we're starting to see that shift that acceptance of other mediums being a part of, you know, pop culture. And I think that's why we're seeing the whole geek thing rising and um, in, in regards to comics being more accepted. You have the whole MCU being somewhat accepted, but there's still some critics. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, it's being more accepted because we are starting to embrace other mediums as pop culture, as the correct thing, even though there's no such thing. But there you have it. Um, the other, th- but that so- that medium like allows people to get away with things, and yes. that's the amazing thing is that when you go and you watch a show like Big Mouth on Netflix, or you watch even some of the Muppet stuff that gets created, um, the reason why Jim Henson loved the Muppets was because he could tell a story that he couldn't film, right? Like he could get things, he could achieve things with the Muppets that he couldn't necessarily do with real people or real content. And then you look at F is for Family. All this amazing content that's really expressive and controversial if it was filmed, but they can get away with a heck of a lot, you know, 
on on these on these animated shows and i think that's good you know it's good for self-expression and freedom and and all that kind of stuff yeah and and i think simpsons really helped us to start that Mm -hmm. trend of and and really okay let's even think back the flintstones it was more of a sitcom than a cartoon for kids per se you know so flintstones uh made path uh, paved the way to jetsons paved the way to um Simpsons, which here we are now, kind of like with Family Guy and American Dad and et cetera, et cetera. There's so many shows now. And, you know, now cartoons can be more than just for kids. And that's kind of one of the things that we're seeing more and more. Um, And going back to another point that you made in regards to, you know, budget and being able to do more. Think about some of the really popular show um, anime shows from the 70s and the 80s. There were like... Gundams and Macross and you had mechs and you know you try making a TV show on even now uh, with that sort of budget it's impossible so what the Japanese and the anime creators were able to do on a budget and put to screen is just so much more compared to what we were able to do here and they were able to get their true vision out on screen like we how many times have you heard a director saying oh i needed to wait 20 years to make a movie because the technology wasn't there george lucas (laughs) yeah exactly exactly It, it, it is amazing and you know it really takes breaking down that wall that barrier that i think we've accepted and probably most of our audience has accepted yep. the fact that you can have legitimate storytelling in an animated show or in a comic book it it's it's not reserved for these classic novels or these these big budget films and whatnot and that's good you know because i think that that really speaks to us getting to the source of great content and great storytelling my only complaint is that it just seems like there's, again, same as video games, it just seems like there's no original content anymore. Everything is a reboot or a rehash of something, even if it's the name changes in a lot of cases, it's still the same gilded story, you know? Yep. It's it's like we ran out of stories at some point. It's just weird to me because... It, how many times have we seen stuff being I, I see Perry Mason's coming back on HBO or something like shit Perry Mason. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously like, you know, um, things that should not have been remade and rebooted. Um, but then, you know, to your previous point, there are the concepts and, and whatnot that have been repackaged and put into something else. Like how many times will we see a Romeo and Joe, uh, Romeo and Juliet like story being told like we even have Saga the comic book which basically tells us that story you know star-crossed lovers and blah 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 you know so it's 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 I think it's just natural and normal for us to rehash things but now we're just blatant about it yeah I I guess it's the nostalgic kick that's going on you know even shows like MacGyver and and I think I brought it up in previous episode, uh, 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 the Tom Selleck show, you know, like Magnum PI, uh, Hawaii Five O, and it's just amazing to me that some of this stuff just gets airtime. Like it, my, I think my niece knows that that uh, uh, a Lethal Weapon is a show, not a movie. Yeah, you know, it's just that's just that. I don't know. Maybe that's the old man in me. You know, old man yells at cloud. That's me right now. But it's just amazing to me that there isn't some kind of shit that they could come up with that's better than an 80s three-part three movie. You know what I mean? Like, And, and not that there's anything wrong with Lethal Weapon. I enjoyed the shit out of it. 
it's just weird, man, that, that that's the way that some of the stuff is being reborn and, and repackaged and not even changing the label. Yeah, exactly. In other news, Battlestar Galactica remoot. <laughs> <laughs> now that, you know, it's kind of funny because Boris and I were talking last week and, and I floated this idea and this is my fault. I floated this idea that, and I'm sure we're going to do this, where especially when new content is out and whatnot, maybe we'll do it with some of the older content. But I said to him, you know, it'd be kind of fun to watch something that's maybe outside my norm, that's in this geek culture type thing that we could talk about. So I proudly put forward Riverdale because someone in my Twitter feed has been watching it and I've been laughing my ass off at how they're watching it, right? And I'm thinking... I, I've never really paid attention to anything. I just know that it's Archie and Jughead and all this shit, you know, from when, and I had older brothers growing up. So a lot of my comic books were like old shitty Archies, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, like I, I had those five cent copies and whatnot. So I know these characters and I thought to myself, I'm going to watch season one of Riverdale. Holy shit. All right. First of all, I'm just going to say it. There's a lot of teen drama going on in that show, but it was about four episodes too long for season one. I'm, man, oh man, did they ever have a lot of mistakes that even me as a, as a movie dummy picked up on? Like, why is it snowing out and the pool is full of water that's not frozen? You know, like shit yeah. like that, where I'm like, what kind of decisions are these people making? And I, I had to, I finished it. And I immediately started watching Battlestar Galactica because I needed to cleanse myself. I just needed redemption. So I fired right back on, a, on, a, on a, uh, 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 Amazon and fucking started watching Battlestar Galactica because I felt dirty after watching Riverdale. Riverdale is, like I say, I always say this, it's a CW show. CW is notorious for teen drama and whatnot, which is why, like, having all of the DC shows on CW, just as cool as it is, it also pains me all at the same time. And it's hilarious because we have a webcam and I can see what Phil's doing. And he's just, like, embarrassed and sad and hates himself right now, the fact that he even watched Riverdale. But we will be talking about I, Riverdale because Riverdale... I can't even go into second season. I need to take a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Trust me. I know. I know. It's too much. Yep. It is. It really is. And the thing about Riverdale that gets me the most is that these characters are shitty people. They're all horrible fucking human beings. None of them deserve to be alive. I know. that. I, I had a really tough time picking who my protagonist is. I, I don't even know. Like, Archie does shitty things. Jughead does shitty things. I'm convinced it's Archie. They all fuck each other in the ass and put the knife in the back while they're doing it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And some of the plot lines just didn't play out. They started down the road and some of them, and then stopped. I I just don't get, like, because they they got a new shiny object to chase for drama. Yeah. That's the way I think about what happens in that show and, and what they're making. And that's, that's my point of criticism is, is like, it could have been four episodes shorter. Yeah. Which would have made, I don't know, it would have changed my mind a little bit in terms of how I viewed it, but it just felt like they, 
at certain points, it was just like the writers just opened up this bag of of whatever and people just started chasing ideas and then they were okay this one's working that one's not we're just going to ignore that one now. isn't that what a writer's room essentially is i guess so you know i thought it was a parody i watched that uh netflix show love right and <laughs> yeah i used to love watching gus in the writer's room with that stupid witch show right yeah. and i thought this is how a CW show was put together. And 100%. Riverdale confirmed it for me. <laughs> it's just like, I could see that being their writer's room. 100%. Like just, you know, like some someday someone's going to throw an Apple MacBook Pro across the room. And they're going to go, oh, man, what made you do that? Okay, that's a topic. <laughs> like, and that's a, great, that's a great show, by the way. Love on Netflix. Only three seasons. Like 24 ep- or 30 ep- 36 episodes that's that's it and it was a good story from beginning to end and yeah i i love that show as well but um you know you know what riverdale actually reminds me of and this is like when i was in grade nine so like what 99 98 or something like that um there was a soap opera that was on that kind of made fun of other soap operas passions Mm. okay do our listeners remember Passions, that horrible soap opera where, like, they would be stuck in a car that's in an avalanche in a cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere, and they would, like, the actual amount of time was, like, two hours, but it was, like, you know, four weeks in soap opera time? <laughs> yeah, it's, it felt to me like it was a lot. It, it it drained me to be honest. Like when I when I got to the end of episode thirteen, I was I know I was doing like a blow by blow with you over over messenger or whatever because I was just like, oh my god, this happens now. Oh my like, I thought the thing was done at episode ten. Yeah. And then you know episode thirteen was a total waste. It was just the denouement, right? It was just them wrapping up storylines. And then I started watching season two, and I'm like, nope. Fuck that. I, I can't, I can't do this. It just, it, I actually had a couple nights where I just couldn't sleep because I was, the, the drama was so on point. Yep. That's <laughs> and it's been so long since I've had, it's one thing to have tension in shows, you know, goodness knows Battlestar Galactica. There's a great show that had a lot of tension, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of changes and challenges as a viewer. You were guessing all the time. Um, it was a blast for that, but it it had integrity, I guess, and th- that was the part that I was missing a lot in Riverdale. Was it just seemed to be an absolute lack of integrity. Battlestar not Galactica. only for themselves, but ba- for their story. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica season four had no integrity. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, but yeah, it did. It got out of hand. <laughs> It's Wait, I can hear Africa. that music. Where's that music coming from? <laughs> Come the fuck on. <laughs> it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying season one of Battlestar Galactica right now. Exactly. Oh my god. Season one, the first episode after the miniseries 33, that to this day is still my favorite episode, where the Cylons attack them every 33 minutes for God knows how yeah. long. If they stuck I, to I that plan. You know, they would have won, but that's neither here nor there. I know it's 
it's the way it goes with some of these shows and i i get it there's a point at which i guess with with anything you know star wars anything where they start they just want to prolong it for as long as they can and i'll give a shout out here to fearless fred because he he runs a podcast called issue zero and this week's episode i think he did something that was really brave at least as far as i've seen in the podcasting sphere and that was he presented a star wars story and he made it like a star wars audiobook like he, yeah. he had other people doing voices and whatnot and i gotta say the story was pretty darn good and that's what I just want to take some of these creators like Lucasfilm and just go make more Mandalorian, make more of Fred's podcast, the mud troopers make, just tell us stories in star Wars instead of telling me about a bloody Skywalker and telling me about how this person's derivative of Skywalker and all that. Like just give me star Wars content as far as that goes. And I don't need to have solo reimagined. I don't need to do all that stuff, even though Solo was an underrated movie and, and all that. But I enjoyed Rogue One because it didn't have any of the other bullshit in it. Yeah. You know, and it could have not been about the Death Star. And I still probably would have enjoyed it just as much. Yep. You know, like it doesn't have to, everything doesn't need to touch that. You know? Yeah. Tell yeah. me a story about Imperials. Tell me a story about. You know, all all that kind of stuff. The dichotomy between the rebellion, maybe the rebellions terrorism you know it's just interesting you know i i love the angles that claudia gray and different authors in the you know the new canon are taking with some of this stuff yep chuck wendig also did a good job on his books yeah chuck yeah chuck's uh aftermath and all that yeah aftermath you know aftermath those those books i had a really tough time reading the yep. first aftermath one the first one was it, was a it, tough read and and I I put the book down, but then it it kept on getting chatter in my circles of of geekdom. So what I did <clears throat> was I bought the audiobook, and I enjoyed it so much more because of the way that the person was able to narrate. I couldn't get the beat down reading it, but yeah. when someone else was reading it, holy crap! It, it actually stood up. It actually made the book better for me. So. Yeah. I never discount, especially with Star Wars books, I never discount the idea of going to audiobook for them just because they're able to, they can make maybe something that, that when I'm reading it, I think is pretty bad. They can make it really good. Yeah, I agree. You know? I, I personally really, really like the audiobooks of, of, of those three Chuck Wendigs. I recently uh, went back to them, actually. I, I read the first one, Aftermath, um, and then the second and the third one, I actually recently got the audiobooks, you know, through the Toronto Public Library. Um, so, yeah, I 100% agree with you that sometimes the audiobooks is just as good. Another great audiobook is Twin Peaks, The Final Dossier. Uh, that one mm. is actually really, really good. And that one kind of takes place um, after the, 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 the third season. So it kind of wraps things up in the Twin Peaks world for now, at least. So, you know. It's kind of cool to get those in audio format, especially when it's done uh, with the right uh, voices and the, like the the right voice actors and whatnot. If you ever want to, well, yeah, if, if it's produced, like American Gods was just amazing as an audiobook because they acted it. Yeah. Now a lot of my audiobooks, as far as Star Wars, it's just one narrator. 
Um, but like I say, the pacing of it can make a big difference for me. Uh, I'm also audiobooking um, The Expanse novels. And I got to say, as a guy who's watched the shows and really enjoy them, it's one of my favorite universes to to consume or to, to binge on. Um, the audiobooks are like the books themselves and the novels are way, way different, but the same. And it's it's interesting to see, honestly, how they take multiple characters and merge them into one character in the show for simplicity's sake. But it could be three characters in the book. And that is is just mind blowing, especially coming from the angle that I am of of not reading the books and just watching the shows and then getting more interested in the universe that way. So I don't know if you've checked those out, Boris, but man. It's crazy. No, you know, I, you've mentioned that to me before, and I really should get on that. I like The Expanse a lot. And some would say I want to expand my knowledge, and I want to touch on those uh, those books at some time, at some point. They, they're really, really worth the investment. Um, it, it's interesting because in the, first, in the first book, they don't even bring Avasarla or any of the political stuff to the table which is such an integral part of the show from the, you know, from the get-go. But it is really interesting to see how it caught up and how, you know, the focus by the author, uh, Corey, just keeps on changing per book. And, and the way that they fuse it together in the shows is absolutely brilliant. It, it hats off to sci-fi and, I guess now, Amazon Prime. Um for the writer's room on that one yeah because that must have been a complex thing to do and his writing the writing is great as far as it narrates the action and, and the feeling of the expanse that you get in the show yeah and i think the show really benefited by a clear author on yeah. that so a, a set of books that i want to check out based on or not based but like you know my first um I guess exposure to this series was the show as opposed to the book and that's the mm -hmm. 100. I kind of want to check out the books. I know that they are, you know, a a teen more teen driven book. Um, you know, but so is a, uh, so is a lot of stuff, but I want to check them out cuz I really enjoyed the series. I I know that kind of like in the middle of the series, the books in the series kind of went in their own direction. Um, but you know, I just want to check it out and, and see what uh, Craig and Bellamy get up to in the books as opposed to the show. Yeah, you know, I watched the first season of that, first couple seasons. So I guess those were more based on the books. Yeah. And I enjoyed those. But then it started losing it for me. But again, was... it's what I said, it's it's another CW show. The CW has this notorious thing for just teen drama. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Having said that, you know, it's it's CW, and before that, WB and UPN, gave us some of, like, those those shows that, for me, are still near and dear to my heart. Like, my favorite show of all time, Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. I feel for <laughs> you, man. I really do. <laughs> I know. I, I remember you going through that Gilmore Girl phase, man. I remember. No, like, it's, it's you, not a phase. It's a lifestyle. You were always talking about it. And I'm like, what the hell is Boris watching? Like, it's kind of funny where, where we cross over and where we don't 
in our fandoms. Um, I just thought it was it was hilarious too that one time when I'm like, I kind of admit to you, like I'm watching this show on Netflix called Love, and you're like, oh man, that's the greatest show. <laughs> you really surprised me there because I'm like, oh, I thought that was like my dirty secret here, uh. and it turns out other people are watching it too because. The funny thing about Netflix and things like that is you don't know what other people are necessarily watching. Like maybe you can go to the what's popular section or whatever. I get it. What's trending. But I I just never really know because I, I don't – there's so much TV. I don't know what people are actually watching unless it's like Game of Thrones. I pretty much had to watch Game of Thrones because everybody talked about it in my workplace. And I'm like, I don't want to be left out of this, even though it might not have been my favorite show. I grew to like it a lot. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about it and stuff. So it's funny how that happens, especially in this age of of digital delivery and streaming and and whatnot, that you can just be in this bubble Mm -hmm. of, of media. And that's where I guess, you know, things like the show or whatnot when we talk about it and engage with people, it's really good to see what they're watching too. And, and given chances to, to things that maybe would inspire us to watch it or enjoy it. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I love hearing feedback. And, you know, when once a month, when we have these geek shows kind of putting it out there, it's like, Hey, what do you want us to watch? You know, some, let us know. We can watch, we'll watch it. We'll talk about it. We'll make fun of it. We'll chat about it. We'll praise it. We'll, whatever you know um it's just uh i like taking suggestions from other people for the most part um but you know generally speaking if it's sci-fi give it to phil if it's teen drama reality based give it to me <laughs> that's gonna go to boris <laughs> exactly give me all the all the riverdale Riverdale's, all the gilmore girls take me a month Ugh. yep it's just dirty Dirty, dirty TV. Have you watched the Sabrina shows on Netflix? No, I'm scared now. (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to on Netflix. New Transformers cartoon. Yes. Coming up. That looks bloody awesome because I I bought a new tablet and, and, you know, logging into stuff and getting my YouTube stuff sorted out. It suggested that that trailer from three months ago, and it just says coming soon. Mm-hmm. That I'm excited for. Um, yep. He Man, Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Yes, like I know that that's just quietly sitting out there. I don't know where they're at in production and whatnot, but man, oh man, there's there's some great retro geek stuff in, in that He Man and the old Transformers and the Sea. Because I play the Transformers video games, High Moon, I guess, makes them. And some of those were pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, they, they made good story choices that weren't Michael Bay just trying to go with an overarching explosion shot. You know? Hey, Bumblebee was good, though. Bumblebee was excellent because I guess Michael Bay didn't really yeah. do much with it. <laughs> Other people did, but I'm hearing that he's involved in the next Transformers movie, which just disappoints me. Yeah. But. It's okay. I don't. I don't hate the guy. There's movies that he makes that I just absolutely gobble up. I'm just tired of watching the Transformers have like no development and no character arcs and whatnot. Whereas Bumblebee challenged that, right? It showed us what could could happen with a well written story. Well, it also shows us the, that they were bullshitting us when they told us that the original designs of the Transformers would never work on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, 
man. It, oh, okay. I so don't know. It's the trying to watching G.I. Joe kind of fail. I don't know. Did it? The movies? Yeah. Was there a third I, one ever made? I watched them. <laughs> I watched them. I, I, I watched, was there two? Three? Two. two. I think the third one's in production now, so it must be successful on some front. Well, I hear that they're making a Snake Eyes standalone film. That's not a mistake. Okay, yeah. I can dig that. And, you know, hey, let's 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 not forget about the fact that G.I. Joe, at least for me, was all about Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. Yeah. Watching the show, uh, playing with the, the toys as a kid, that type of thing. I, I, I will relate this other story because I, I was kind of joking about it on Twitter about the fact that I was a GoBot kid growing up because we couldn't afford Transformers. And GoBots are horrible. Oh, yeah. Horrible, horrible toys. Yeah, they're the ugly right. stepchild of Transformers. Oh, yeah, and they were before Transformers. They were ahead of Transformers, and they had their own TV show. I don't know how this piece of shit show got made. You know what but... you should watch? And I don't know if you have watched this. The Toys That Made Us on Netflix yes. has an amazing episode on Transformers, and then they do bring up GoBots, and they kind of talk about how Transformers were created, literally from tin cans in Japan. Um, they also have a great episode, and the funniest episode of on He-Man and Masters of the Universe. Yep. Um, so for our listeners who want something hilarious to watch and something informative, the th- toys that made us on Netflix, they're up to season three now. Season three covered Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, wrestling toys, and I forget what else. But yeah. yeah, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing was absolute gold, as well as some of the Star Wars stuff was yes. absolutely fascinating how that stuff got the deals were made and different companies coming to, to to step up and production even of these toys. It's just amazing. But those GoBots were shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I got picked on on the playground for so long because I had GoBots and I'm telling it was shameful. Yep. It was shameful. And we, we couldn't even at that time, we didn't even have a TV that could get to Fox. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even watch the Transformers cartoon. Yeah. So I was hearing all this stuff through my friends at school. It was absolutely devastating until I finally got a TV that could that could get Channel 27. Yeah. So I have two things to bring up. Number one, the Transformers show that you're alluding to on Netflix is called Transformers War for Cybertron Trilogy. It's three-something. We don't know three-what just yet and it just said coming 2020 blah blah but we don't know much more about that number two you just shat on the amount of reboots and remakes and here you are partaking in a discussion on reboots and remakes and loving every second of it hey i'll give credit (laughs) to well done reboots okay there's a difference here because we're talking about an animation style and freeing these characters from the celluloid that they were put on back in the 80s. Because I don't think there's anybody who's going to really stand by the fact that Transformers, the TV show, was anything great. It was fun. It, it, it pushed a toy line. Yeah. You know, they, they, they made that movie and they made controversial decisions. Oh, did they ever? Oh, yeah, I still cry. So, to to take this, rewind it, and mine in that nostalgia, but combine it with well done stories is great. Yeah, and that's what I love about the games. Yep, 
1987 Transformers movie really, like, stirred the pot, to say the least. Um, you know, the big, the Optimus death was huge, and, you know, I remember watching that movie, and it was 1993, and my brother brought it home, a VHS copy that he borrowed from one of our close friends who's the biggest Transformers fan ever, um, and he's like, this is the Transformers movie, I'm like, oh, there's a movie, oh, you know, <laughs> he puts it on, and within the first two minutes, and half the Autobots die, I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I watching, that's when I grew into a I man, have it though. on DVD, that's when I grew right up now. into a man, yeah, I know, it's, it, that was like, rapturous that was almost as as big as like luke i'm your father yeah you know what i mean like that was that was like this moment where you know and as little kids go this is what i love about you know my childhood or whatever we used to get so freaking amped up about shit like you'd be like oh man transformers coming out next week i gotta go see i gotta get a ticket i gotta line up i gotta do this i gotta you know like you were manic, you know, you got permission from your parents or whatever. And, and then you went and you, you, you just drove into it regardless if it was good or not. You just drove into it really hard. You know, I'll never forget. I think my first movie where I went with like a friend of mine hmm? instead of being brought by parent. I remember the first time I actually watched a movie and I didn't take a piss was uh, Buck Rogers, that eighties hot mess. But the first is that movie the that one with um, the guy that plays RoboCop? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yes. Queen, Queen did the soundtrack. You know, that Radio Gaga was in there or something like that. It it was a it was a hot mess of a film. But you know that property. I know George Lucas wanted to oh, get no. it, and it, this company got it. Whoever did it, and You're, I thinking, remember going to the. Yeah, no, I'm thinking something else. Buck, there's Buck Rogers. Oh, um, you're thinking Peter Weller uh, is, um, isn't that, uh, Buckaroo Banzai? Yeah, that's it. Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. That, yeah, I that just bought is... that this week on Google. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, but yet amazing all at once. Yeah. I just had to go back down that nostalgia train and, and, and visit some of those old films. But, some... uh, what was, what was, Yeah. I don't know, like Buck Rogers, but I remember my first movie where I went with, like, without an adult supervising me was Labyrinth. Yeah. And uh, that was mind-blowing in the theater for me as a kid, you know? And again, that movie just got railed Yeah. in the theater. Like, it dumped on endlessly. And then it became this cult classic due to videos, you know? And, and, and it just amazes me to this day how many people still talk about that movie with such reverence, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of respect out there for it and, and rightfully so, you know, David Bowie, the casting, everything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's funny how we do that as kids. Like we, yeah. we get behind these things and we don't care if it's good or bad. We're just, the, the, the thing excites us. The eighties had so many things that were so good and yet so bad all at the same time and so many hidden gems that like people don't even know existed anymore kind of like buckaroo Banzai. like as bad as it is it's still good buck rogers is another one you know when was the last time that you ever heard of buck rogers um for me 
um, was something that I revisited, and this just goes to show you how fucked up I am as a child, um, and I remember watching this as a child, like, soon after I watched The Exorcist 3 when I was seven years old, I watched something called The Ninth Configuration, it was, it's also by, um, William Peter Blatty, who does the the Exorcist, and it's this weird psycho um, psychodrama, and it it's so fucked up and such a mind fuck that I it's something that like I, I I revisit now once every few years, and 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 yeah, it's just so good, but it's like wow, just wow. You know which one out of the horror genre, and I'm not a big horror fan. But Poltergeist, or, or, man, oh man, that was mind blowing. What was Poltergeist? Poltergeist, the original. Yeah, like this, that movie scared the living shit out of me. And you know, like now I can watch it no problem. Like it's on TV or whatever, I'll watch it. They rebooted that, and it was okay. I, I'm not gonna dump all over it, but I don't know that it did anything any better than the original though you know what i mean other than some special effects maybe but steven spielberg man it it really highlights to me how amazing some of the storytellers are you know like steven spielberg like george lucas and all that and the great thing about the 80s like you just brought up there was no real retreads going on at that point this was original content yeah and that's what I'm, I'm asking for. And I, you can point me out as a hypocrite. I accept that. But I do kind of ask that today. I don't mind the reboots as much as the fact that everything's a reboot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, and I'm, I know our next topic is going to be video games, but I am sick to shit of a new console being launched and the only stuff that's on it is the stuff from the last console. You know, that kind of stuff where, they're just like, oh, well, we're going to give you a new episode of Spider-Man. Or yeah. we're going to give you a new, you know, like bolt-on shit. Yeah. And I'm like, it looks great. It, it does look great. And I'm, I'm going to buy it and play it and all that stuff. But that's what I mean about content overall. It's just like, I'd be okay with a whole bunch of content being rebooted if there's a whole bunch of other brand new content that was equally compelling or overwhelming the 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 scene. But it just seems to me the only stuff that I'm seeing is retread yeah um staying on that topic you know it it, for me it depends like i agree with you the fact that there's too much of it and some of the things that are being rebooted remade whatever don't deserve that treatment because the original is you know so holy that you don't want to touch it um so but you know there are certain things that i would like to see updated um and i'll ask you for yours but if i were to update something to today's standards um it would 100 percent be eastman and laird redoing tmnt yeah i i could get behind that i you know i i still have in my i don't have a huge comic book collection but i still have the original black and white nice teenage mutant ninja turtle stuff like i to be honest like when they came out in colors i was just like what the hell is going on they all wear red bandanas yeah. And then they're like, you know, the, the TV show. And I get it. Like, that's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, p- people are very, uh, it exploded. It was exploding when Eastman and Laird were drawing it up and publishing it and whatnot out of their, their house. 
self-made um, completely independent just amazed their yeah. story is honestly amazing yeah and you know and, and even relating to that it, there was a whole scene going on at that time you had dave sim and cerebus you had you had a lot of independent creators making some pretty amazing stuff and self-publishing it it's just you know it's incredible it, it's great stuff i gotta find my cerebus omnibuses because i have all the cerebus stuff that dave did and uh, I'm I'm interested in rereading it now as a as a little bit more of an experienced person. Yeah, I won't even say I'm an adult, but an experienced person as far as my life events, and I'm curious to to revisit some of that. But yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles really signaled to me a pretty big paradigm shift. The other one was Neil Gaiman and Sandman. Yes, and I remember like being you know. 15 or whatever it was when they started coming out and these are adult only comic books so they were heavily branded and protected by the comic book store and i remember having to work out a deal with my comic book store owner <laughs> to be able to buy it because he he would have to go through and read it and just know that there's no gratuitous nudity or anything like that in it and then he felt comfortable selling it to me yeah. so and i i still have all my original sandmans yeah. You know, first printings. Uh, we actually, uh, on the first incarnation of the show, when we were just talking about comics, um, we did a retro comic review every few weeks. And uh, the original run of Neil Gaiman's Sandman was one of the ones that we reread. Um, and it, you know, five, even five years ago, it still held up. And it's very few things hold up that well to this yep. date. And they're making a Netflix series about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's apparently going to be related to Lock and Key, or in the same universe as Lock and Key, so I'm trying to watch Lock and Key right now to get ready for this, because I think Sandman has started production back up after all this COVID stuff. I thought I saw something about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and that, yeah, that, that stuff holds up, and it was interesting, too, the controversy around that was the fact that Neil was writing such a compelling work in a comic book, which was unheard of, you know, at that time. You, you had guys breaking out in the DC universe. You had guys breaking out in the Marvel universe. Chris Claremont stands to mind, things like that. You had Frank Miller's Batman coming out at that time. You started seeing comic books become a legitimate art form as far as expressing ideas and, and story. And they did everything that they could to ban comic books at the Nebula Awards and all this because the guy was so threatened by the Neil Gaiman. So what did Neil do? He started writing books. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where we get American Gods and Annecy Boys and all this amazing stuff and Stardust and Coraline. Yeah. And man, it's just, it's just uh, such a brilliant mind. And you know, that's the kind of original content that I like. And you know what? Making a Sandman show isn't retreading because it's never been done before. So, yeah. and you it, know, it's one. It take goes... a good comic book and make it into a movie. Sure, Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of content that I want. I don't want to see. Lethal Weapon TV show. <laughs> I do. Not at all. But, <laughs> you know, it, it goes back to our original topic that, you know, that and you just summed it up so well that Neil Gaiman had to move to books to be accepted as a creator in the mainstream. Yeah. You know, it's just it, crazy. It, it fucking sucks. Well, because it's a legitimate. You know, if I don't I don't know where it would have gone if he was still in comic books. You know, I, I do enjoy all of what he creates now in terms of novels. And maybe there is just the logical progression 
to go into that novel style. But man, he was batting a thousand yeah. in that comic book series. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was challenging. I even had a t-shirt with Sandman and death on it. Nice. It said, how would you feel about life if death was your older sister? <laughs> I like that. And you know, it's, it's funny because we had Neil Gaiman who started with comics, went to books. Then we have uh, Chuck Palahniuk who went from books and fight club to Fight Club 2, which is actually in canon with Fight Club, but it's a comic book. Ooh, yeah. I, I've read the book. Mm-hmm. I've watched the movie. I actually bought that movie as well recently, digitally, because I, I just was just like, man, I just wanted to watch it. And um, I didn't know that he made it into a comic book. Now yeah. I'm going to have to find that because <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that, that book. Oh. Yeah, it came out 2015, and we, you know, as it was coming out, we would talk about it on on this show, um, and we were getting advanced copies actually of Fight Club Two at the time, um, and it was great. Like I really enjoyed it, and it just takes a story and spins it on top because you know it it takes place obviously after the first one, takes place more after the book more than anything else, and and they kind of really. Um, expand on that world and it's just so well done but just goes to show you you know we went from people moving from comics to books and now books to comic books as the comic book and geek world is becoming more accepted overall so going back to what I was talking about if you can create or in remake reboot one thing what would it be Phil? Mm. Uh, you know what I I I don't think I'd want to change anything. You know what I mean? Like I get what you're saying about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, but anything that's really big in my world, like, you know, like even from absurd stuff like Muppets or Dark Crystal or whatever, I'd just like to see Age Resistance Season 2 be made. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be my biggest wish. Or to anything to be to get the green light or to be remade or whatever. I just want it extended. I just want to know where that story goes. I want to see more practical puppetry. I want to see the art form make a rebound. Um, yeah, if I could take that wish and put it into that basket, that's where I'd do it. I'll, I'll I, I just it. want season two. I'll take it. Um, one remake reboot that I am looking forward to um, is actually Dune, the new movie that's going to be coming out. That could be fun. You know, the original movie, David Lynch, uh, had certainly had style. Um, but really, I don't know if people know the story. I imagine most do. You know, David Lynch was originally being considered for Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and basically, he didn't get the job. And he rebounded hard with Dune. Uh, I don't know that it's my favorite depiction of Dune after reading the book. Um, there's a huge universe in Dune, as as all the fans of Frank Herbert's know, and I believe believe his son has gone on to to continue the the writing. Um, it's it's amazing. It's just amazing, and and to know that it's in the hands that it is. It's the guy who did um, who did Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see that because that's one of my favorite movies. I think that that was severely underrated Blade Runner 2049 as as far as critical acceptance and whatnot. But 
It It'll live on in DVD, Blu-ray. Yep. 4K. Um, in in regards to Dune, just remember, like the whole David Lynch saga of Dune, like that was just a shit show. Um, Alejandro Jodorowsky was supposed to direct the original, and he had these grand plans, and then one reason to the other, just the whole project got canned. They fired him, or he quit, and then they brought on David Lynch. Um, and it's such a really cool story that in 2011 or something like yeah, 2011, they made um, a documentary called Jodorowsky's Dune, which kind of depicts his vision. Um, and it's a really cool kind of behind-the-scenes look into what could have been. Um, and then, you know, we get what was. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah. It, it was really cool as well. They made a mini series. Yeah. A Dune mini series. I have that on DVD somewhere in my yeah. collection. And, you know, and the good thing about the mini series, as far as that went, was they started thinking beyond a movie. Yeah. So, you know, that's where I'm hoping this movie goes. Exactly. Well, how, our, our listeners should let us know what they want to see rebooted, what they think about reboots, what they've been watching, what they don't like, what they like, yada, yada, yada. And Phil, why don't you tell our great listeners how they can get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us basically anywhere where you can find podcasts. You just have to look up It's Canon Podcast. So on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you are, we're going to be there, Podbean. It's uh, it's it's there, and as well, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. It's Canon Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can email us at it's Canon Podcast. Uh, you know, uh, we're at, we're there to hear you. Please click subscribe, and give us a give us a, turn on your notifications so you get to know when uh, we produce content for you. And like I mentioned, you know, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. we will be announcing the next episode. I know the past few weeks that didn't happen just because of real life. And, you know, I wanted to put the focus on real life and the news. Um, but, you know, I want the show to be a distraction. That's what we will be moving forward. So, you know, we're going to announce just about almost every week what our next episode is going to be on on Instagram Live. So you should probably follow us and get notifications so that you can join us and you can chat with us live and you know we'll do some quick Q&A from time to time um, and yeah so when we come back we're going to take a break but when we come back we will be talking about the news of the week so don't you dare miss it Alright everyone, well, we're going to change things up a little bit this week on the It's Canon Podcast. We did take a week off, so we wanted to give everyone a specially long episode, but we talked too much and we went a little too long. The full episode length was about three hours long, and three hours is a really long time to listen to just one podcast, so we decided to split the episode up into two parts. You just listened to the It's Canon Podcast, episode 5, part A. And now uh, you will be able to listen to the It's Canon Podcast Episode 5 Part B on Wednesday. So this Wednesday, June 17th, you'll be able to listen to Part B where we talk about our picks of the week and the entire PlayStation 5 reveal. How, do, how does that make you feel, Phil? I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, you are. You also sound it. <laughs> Something. You sound something. I don't know. I, I took that, that, that hit from Corbin Dallas. 
in yeah. Fifth Element. <laughs> I love that. All right. So that was part A. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, so make sure you check midweek when we release part B of the episode and you will be able to listen to more things geek as we talk about our picks of the week and PlayStation 5. Get our thoughts about specs games backwards compatibility what's important what's not important how much money we actually spend on a life cycle of a system you'll be shocked saddened and angry so thank you so much everyone and stay tuned check back midweek for part b